0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and with me today we have Logan Corfield. Welcome along, Logan. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for joining the show. Now, um, maybe you can start just by giving uh, listeners an introduction of where you fit into this big wide world of uh, tech in New Zealand.
1: Okay. Thanks, Paul. Um, so I am the manager of a company called CC Genesis, uh, based out of Auckland, but we deliver critical private wireless uh, services to, to nationwide customers. Um, our background is in um, private radio networks, um, and we've just launched some uh, exciting infrastructure into the New Zealand market, um, and we're excited about what that can deliver to the, uh, to the New Zealand market.
0: Fantastic. Well, certainly looking forward to hearing a bit, a uh, bit more about that, uh, and uh, yeah, delving in during the show. Uh, but first, let, let's uh, let's jump into the the news of the week. Um, lots of uh lots of things have have been going on in the electric transport space i guess so particularly over the last uh couple of years and uh you know we have a dedicated podcast the uh EV podcast for those that are uh, that are really interested in delving into that uh, but one um headline caught my attention in the last few days uh out of the US was some stats about 20 Injuries per hundred thousand trips. Now, doesn't sound doesn't sound like a lot, um, but that is actually you know quite a big number. And I think you know here in New Zealand we've already had you know up into the the millions of uh, of journeys that have been been taken. And uh, you know if you if you also weigh in with the reality that most uh, most most scooter drivers uh, or riders uh, aren 't wearing helmets. You sort of uh, you know create a, a a little bit of a dilemma there now you know're i guess we 're talking more about the use of technology rather than the technology it, itself but uh, you know it, it it seems to be we're we 're in this world where uh, new technologies are often rolled out, adopted very quickly, often in this sort of, you know, fail fast type approach. Let, let's just get it out there with a, a minimum viable product, as, uh, you know, is as, as often re- referred to with startups and, and, uh, uh developers. Um, but, it, you know, it seems like here the general public, and um you know the healthcare system is, is sort of picking up the uh the pieces as we have you know the, really if you know you look at what we have here in New Zealand and around the world you know a whole bunch of companies that are uh you know try, trying things out and uh, and seeing seeing what works and doesn't seem as though there's really too much in terms of uh you know repercussions for uh for you know for the for the impact and um Around half of these um, accidents involve head injuries, so it's um, yeah, it's kind of kind of major in the scheme of things. Uh,
1: absolutely, yeah, and and I think um, you know with any new technology, um, it takes uh, at times a wee while for the regulations and the regulators to catch up. Um, I think that um, you know a lot of these technologies around EV and and how they're being applied um, are, are really powerful for markets and are powerful for for us as a wider society. I think that, you know, in the case of some of the, the Lime Scooters, for instance, we, uh, we are seeing um, the power of some of these new technologies, multiple technologies converging together and producing these disruptive plays. Um, and I guess with any change, uh, you'll have uh, advocates and, and people on the other side, and, and any time there's a point to be made, uh, people tend to make it. I think that um, you know it, it's interesting to, to see some of these stories um, and how they've come about um, whether they're um, uh, whether they're endemic to the, the particular technology or that platform or whether this it's just a specific case or, or the way in people the way in which people are using uh, this these these new technologies and, and becoming accustomed to being um, perhaps a bit more um, sensible or using them as they were intended. Mm. Um, I think that certainly, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, opinion on technologies like like the Lime scooters, um, but generally, um, I think that they provide a lot of value to, uh, to 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 people and to our cities.
0: Oh, absolutely, and you know, we we have uh, you know some usage within uh, within Gorilla Technology uh, whereby. Yeah, you know, staff use them to you know, one of our guys commutes, you know, to and from uh, home. And uh I think his comment was you know, adds up to about three thousand, you know, two or three thousand dollars a year in mm. terms of you know petrol costs and so on <laughs> that it's not you know, vehicle running costs that uh, you know that have disappeared and uh and he you know enjoys being outside. On the flip side, uh, there are challenges with using them in the wet and mm-hmm. and and other things, and so you know we've had to weigh you know weigh, weigh some of those things up and sure. sort of say hey you know let us not use these in the wet because they they don't seem to be the uh, the safest of devices in those regards, and uh, you know also hey you've got to be wearing a, you've got to be wearing a helmet, which is is at odds with the the vast majority of you know, usage. And uh, that, uh, you know, personally for me, that's something that I would like to see change. I'm sure there are differing opinions on it, but I would, I would think. You know that that wouldn 't be too hard for you know Lyme and others to uh, um, you know address that from a technological standpoint and and so on maybe it 's too hard because you can 't tell whether a helmet is damaged or, mm. or or cracked, which is you know is I guess one of the the key things with a helmet is whether it 's actually um, going going to protect you if you wear it
1: yeah, I guess the onus is on uh, or who is the onus on to make sure that that safety device uh, is in good working order, um, but yes, I, I think again, you know, from a regulation standpoint and certainly a safety standpoint, uh, more needs to be done. Um, you know, the obvious benefit to to a city like Auckland or, or plenty of others is congestion uh, around um, traffic movements, um, and, and and also you know, um, providing a platform that's convenient um, for inner city movements. I think is always going to be a really positive. Um, Concept, um, and also from an environmental perspective um, as we become more aware around our um, carbon footprints and the like. I think Mm. those sorts of Mm. technologies are important for us to consider so long as we have the appropriate safety regulations.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Now on to uh, SpaceX, who seem to, uh, along with uh, anything to do with Elon Musk, seem to Mm. constantly, uh, you know, between them and uh, Tesla, and uh, the boring company, they're uh, they're all in the media for uh, for, for something all the time. Uh, so the um, the Federal Communications uh, Commission, FCC, in the US have approved um, uh, SpaceX's uh, uh aim to fly their um, internet satellites in uh, in lower orbit, which is is kind of interesting. Um, that yeah that they would sort of start with one approach and then uh, and and then you know cha- change that uh, somewhat but the you know the key things with flying at a at a lower uh, orbit is these things aren't going to stay up there you know so long they uh, they're, they're going to um you know Fall out of orbit and uh, and, and burn up uh, quicker uh, and also they're going to be uh, faster to communicate with so you know from from a perspective of uh, uh, you know being on the ground and uh, wanting to utilize this, this type of approach. Um, in theory, um, they're, they're not going to uh, going to have the, the the same sort of uh, uh, latency challenges. Is this an area you've um, thought much about being you know involved in uh, in communications yourself? Where you know where the, the satellite uh, uh, play over the next few years will uh, will fit into the picture?
1: Absolutely, um, you know, and a lot of our market satellite already plays uh, a big part of uh, our customers' operations. Um, and looking at future technologies and how communications technologies are supplemented, or um, as an alternative around terrestrial based communication platforms, mm, mm. Um, I see uh, you know this um, opportunity that as, as we reduce the cost of deploying satellites into any sort of orbit. Mm. Um, low orbit or otherwise, um, that the the cost of delivery of of certain services is going to come down and there's obvious benefits um, in in all sorts of environments. So um, we're certainly excited about where that sort of uh, technology is going to go. Um, I think it, it... Provides a, a big opportunity uh, for a lot of different types of environments, and um, and certainly the world of communications is is always going to be evol- evolving. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and I absolutely. think it's a really exciting uh, exciting space.
0: Yes. Yeah, so the, the original announcement, they were going to be eleven hundred to thirteen hundred kilometers up, and now they've. Um, they've halved their lowest down to uh, 550 kilometers. So, mm. yeah, quite a uh, quite an, in, an interesting um, manoeuvre.
1: An, an interesting change, in a, and I guess um, you know it, it brings its um, own um, limitations and 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 obviously also benefits um, mm. for for everyone involved there. Um, and, and again, I, I think that um, as the cost of deploying microsatellites and and you know more constellations. Um, comes down. There's going to be unique benefits um, to to a whole range of different users, mm. which is exciting.
0: Yeah. Um, now, uh, it was a, it was only just in just in the last uh, well, be, I don't know two two or three weeks or, or so. Um, yeah, probably in the last last fortnight that um, we heard that Apple and and Qualcomm have uh, you know come to some uh, some agreement over their. Uh, their big uh, spat that's been you know mm. been going on for, for some time and uh, um, you know big big payout touted and and so on um, but as, as I guess a side a side effect of that was that Apple were going to be using Intel uh, to deliver them uh, 5g. Capability within their uh, their handsets, uh, so so we're told. And uh, well, now that that's uh, no no longer uh, needed, now they've sort of um, uh, kissed and made up as it as yes. as, it, as it were. Yeah. Um, now Intel have said, oh, we're uh, no longer actually going to be bringing a five G uh, modem to market, which you know in some ways is is disappointing less uh, less less competition uh, another it's sort of a reflection of some of the, the troubles that Intel have had in recent years just you know with really being competitive and particularly in the uh, in the mobile space where they just haven't been uh, haven't been very successful right. uh, at all in, in, in the scheme of it mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah look I think um, again with with any sort of technology um, the rate of change um, does accelerate, and I think no matter who you are, um, you have to keep up with that change. And um, you know, five G is a big technology that um, is really going to drive a lot um, of manufacturers um, across all, all parts of that um, supply chain. And, and, and obviously, chipsets are uh, are an interesting part um, around uh, around that technology. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it does develop with um, other. Um, manufacturers trying to get a piece of the pious respect but um, hmm.
0: no doubt Huawei making their, uh, their 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 play in there i'm sure um. they'll be there yeah, yeah it's
1: um I, I, and again you know um, there's the obvious um, conversations around you know Huawei and the like around um, 5G and and the and the importance of privacy and security mm. um, but it, it, it it's an exciting time i think Um, for some of those manufacturers.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Microsoft have got their uh, build conference on at the moment and uh, and I think tomorrow, um, you know, Google start uh, start start their conference so mm. there's uh, there's going to be as, as expected sort of a, announcements from uh, from both uh, both parties uh, Microsoft seemed to uh, to have already uh, shared you know quite a quite a few interesting uh, bits and pieces mm. uh, they're really talking up this new uh, Microsoft uh, edge browser uh, which you know, I'm I'm sure they're hoping we will win them a bit of uh, a bit of uh, market share back in the in the browser space. Let's wait
1: and see, I guess. Uh, yeah.
0: So as as they basically uh, you know take the open source uh, components of uh, Google Chrome and Chromium, uh, and then wrap some of their own um, you know smarts and customization and enterprise type uh, mm-hmm. you know features are, are around that. Uh, they've shown it off now running on uh, you know Windows uh, various versions and uh, and. And and Mac, so uh, so that's moving along. Uh, They've got a new uh, a new command line uh, app, Windows Terminal. Uh, Trying to make the uh, the old command line a bit uh, a bit sexier or something there. (laughs) and, uh, they're basically, um, able to now, or now, uh, distributing, uh, their, their own, uh, Linux build, uh, with, uh, with Windows. So the, um, the Linux, uh, subsystem for, uh, uh for Windows. Uh, they're basically building their their uh, you know their own uh, entire build. Uh, you also can go into the Windows Store and uh, and add uh, Ubuntu onto your uh, mm-hmm. machine, for instance. So uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting times considering how uh, you know anti open source Microsoft was going back uh, ten or fifteen years to, to now the you know very active uh, uh, contributor to open source and you know we you know the the announcement that they've, they've Uh, made today, uh, you know, they're saying, hey, look, you know, everything that we're we're doing is going to be, you know, the key pieces are going to be, you know, open source and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I guess, this uh, continuing, um, you know, of what what we've probably seen over the last, um, you know, at least, you know, three to to five years anyway, where they're really uh, going in uh, boots and all into the open source world
1: yeah and I think it's um it's pretty telling of the times we're in uh, where uh, there are a lot of um, platforms open source platforms that allow developers to develop too that's mm. the time we're mm. in and um, you know to create ecosystems and to create um, demand for platforms I think is um, open platforms is certainly the way of the future it's the way of now in fact and mm. and I think it's been really um, pleasing to see the likes of Microsoft get on board with that sort of um Approach uh, in a in a world where perhaps they they could have resisted for a you know for a while longer, um, it, it is really exciting to see that they've embraced that, and I think you know a, as a result we will see better products and better technologies uh, derived out of that.
0: Yeah, and uh, look on the business side, they seem they seem to be doing okay as well. Uh, they uh, they popped past the uh, the, the trillion dollar uh, you know market cap yep. um, in in recent days. And you know they've done it. I think uh, I think Amazon have uh, probably popped over that uh, figure, and and Apple have, and they they seem to be sort of you know bouncing around up you know up around those figures, which is amazing. You know you look back uh, sort of GFC time, uh, Microsoft shares were about ten percent of what they are mm. uh, today. So uh, you know they've really uh, um, done uh, done done very well. Absolutely.
1: And, and, you know, and, and again, I think it's a really exciting, um, time. Um, it's great to see a lot of those big tech giants embracing open standards, embracing, um, you know, those development capabilities, um, and embracing ecosystems. And mm. I think the ones that are embracing that sort of, um, ecosystem type approach are, are, are seeing real value, um, in, in, in the market and in their businesses themselves.
0: Yeah. Now, Looking closer to home, uh, some interesting bits of of news. Um, First up, one that relates to uh, the Christchurch uh, mosque uh, shootings, uh, which is that the El Nora Mosque is installing uh, cameras that are tied to uh, gun-detecting artificial intelligence systems. So... Uh, you know something, something maybe to give um, give worshippers there a you know, bit more, bit more peace of peace of mind uh, around you know entering the mosque. That um, you know, hey, there's uh, there's an extra an extra alert in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in reality, um, you know it's hard to know exactly how this stuff would uh, would would play out. Uh, and th- you know, there've been lots of uh, discussions in the past around giving too much power to an A.I., and you know if you sort of join a, a whole lot of crazy dots together you you know you 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 can imagine a scenario where uh an ai recognizes somebody with a gun and then tries to stop that person using uh you know w- whatever whatever means and you know that side of it could be uh, could be somewhat worrying i you know not not thinking that we're about to get into that sort of position but that's certainly the the sort of thing that we see in the In the military world, although usually there there 's been a you know human involved where we 've got cameras and and AI and and drones and so on um, but look that that seems like pretty pretty simple and uh, and, and smart use of artificial intelligence to uh, to me if you know there 's something happening then um, you know hey uh, alert now you know, of course there 's always the the flip side with you know, false positives and, you know, if this thing was tied up to set off a an, a an alarm or an alert or, you know, something like that, you could also create panic. So certainly would need to be some uh, some some wisdom in terms of how this sort of technology gets uh, gets implemented.
1: Yeah, look, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, surveillance equipment's nothing new uh, and certainly detection of those sorts of um devices um, uh, is also nothing new. If you think about an aviation environment, um, that's what they're looking for every day. Uh, And so I guess it's just an extrapolation of uh, that concept into perhaps a slightly different technology Um, and yes, um, with these new technologies and the likes of AI and automation, you absolutely need controls around that. It's no different. Um, But I think to be able to implement a technology that can um, present a safety benefit then um, you know that's uh that's a positive thing to, to consider
0: yeah still still a little bit hard to get my head around that we're having to yeah even think about this sort of stuff in New Zealand but it's uh, it's where we are at the moment now Facebook have themselves come under a, a lot of pressure for not having a, a smart enough AI or not being committed enough to uh, you know presenting uh, content coming coming online uh, of course are going to be you know, part part of this uh, upcoming uh, summit that's taking uh, taking place uh, in in France. Um, so I'll be curious to see what uh, what come, what comes out of that. But I saw a, a story that got picked up around the world that um, uh, of Facebook uh, suing some uh, some Kiwis uh, who have been selling fake Instagram uh, likes and uh, and and followers. And uh, yeah, this got yeah picked up uh, locally. at as well but uh, yeah we do, we don't hear too much about this this sort of thing in fact it's it's kind of just become uh, you know part and parcel of the sort of the the online world that uh, um, there are all sorts of mechanisms to, to uh, you know, to grow followers. Some as you know, paying, say, Instagram for adverts, which, you know, can help build up uh, followers. Uh, some are, you know, through, um, you know, having social media experts run ads on different platforms and run, all, you know, all sorts of different things content-wise. And then there's the, uh, you know, go and spend five bucks and uh, t- tap into something like this. Um, but it, yeah, it's um, it, it's kind of the you know, very negative side of of social media when it does get too spammy and and uh, you know people do these, these sorts of things of uh, trying to generate uh, you know fake accounts and the like.
1: I guess it, it's an interesting space, isn't it? Because it's um, you know you start to talk about the likes of freedom of speech in a different sort of technological environment that we're perhaps used to. Um, I guess you know the the concept of paying to promote uh, messaging um, is not a new one you know mm-hmm. that 's yeah. just advertising and it's and it 's a slightly different take on that perhaps, um, but at the same time, there certainly does need to be i 'm pleased to see. Uh, Facebook engaging with um, calls around the globe around trying to put in and um, place more regulation around a- a- and take ownership of their place in in that sort of um, communication of mes- messages mm, um, and yeah. what role that they play in, in that in, and certainly in harmful mes- messages too so I think it 's an important. Um, ownership piece for them and I'm pleased to see that they've reacted well to that.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, Rocket Lab, uh, very, very nice to see uh, maybe you know a, a little bit behind, but they're they're dealing in a in a world that's probably harder than the the work most of us do uh, day, day day to day. So yeah, it was really cool to see that they did their um, I think their first nighttime uh, rocket uh, launch at um, on yeah Sunday uh, Sunday evening, and yeah I heard you know people. Um, you know, within I don't know, hundred and fifty k's away or or so, we're, uh, we're able to uh, actually able to see uh, see the launch, which was uh, was was pretty cool. I've uh, I've seen a SpaceX launch from a distance, and uh, uh, that was that was pretty spectacular. And yeah, I think you know it's just something something special uh, to to get to see that. And uh, yeah, they've uh, they've you know done another one. This is their uh, their, their sixth launch and i think they're up to oh, how many satellites have they launched now it was something um, i think over over 20 satellites that mm. they've launched uh, mm. now so yeah they really uh, they really starting to get on a roll and uh, just you know i, I hope they can uh, they can just up that that regularity you know obviously there's a there's a lot of uh, uh, hard work behind the scenes to be absolutely confident that uh, that these launches are solid but Boy, they're being they're very they're very very consistent with uh, just with launching and and launching well, right? Mm. It's, uh, it's it's impressive.
1: I think it's really exciting. You know, if you think of the space race, it's really been um, something that you never think uh, Kiwis could be a part of, and and I think you know we're definitely seeing you know a modern day space race. Um, and you know, we talked about SpaceX before, uh, and the benefit that those sorts of lower cost. Um, rockets can can deliver to a whole range of of different applications and Mm. and for New Zealand Mm. to be a part of that sort of environment I think is really exciting Um, and um, yeah I'm looking forward to seeing them be able to scale um, the amount of, of rockets that they can Launch,
0: yeah, yeah, um, and for those who are interested, uh, well worth checking out the New Zealand Business Podcast episode where I sit down with Peter Beck for a, you know a few, a few insights on how he's done what he's done, and uh, needless to say, it's with a lot of focus, an incredibly focused man. Uh, now, from Spark, they have launched uh, an eSIM uh, capability on their uh, network. Now, uh, what that what that you know effectively means is probably their most common uptake will be people with a uh, one of the newest uh, iPhones that has that uh Uh, eSIM as a second uh, or as a SIM option and I've had that in place uh, with my US SIM for um, I don't know maybe five months or so uh, now and it works very well and in fact you can load multiple uh, eSIMs so I've got my uh, AT&T eSIM attached to uh, my phone but I could go and load a Spark uh, eSIM as well and you can sort of switch between if you've got those stacked up for different countries or uh, you know particular requirements. So uh, that's nice. Now they've still got a bit more work to do in terms of getting to the point where uh, they can deliver a sort of a perfect uh, result for Apple Watch. My guess is once they've once they've addressed those things, such as you know simultaneous rings. So if you go out and you've just got your watch on, you can still receive text messages text messages and and take calls. Uh, once they've got that stuff addressed, which I understand they're working on, uh, then I imagine we'll see the uh, the eSIM based Apple Watch uh, launch into the New Zealand market as well. So um, quite looking forward to. Uh, uh, you know, seeing that e- eSIM uh, side of things move along, but, uh, well done to Spark for, uh, uh, beating uh, Vodafone and, uh, and and two degrees on this and yeah you know, th- this highlights the you know the value that we get with the competition uh, between the networks it doesn't always mean that the, that the others follow for instance we've got you know two degrees who have um, had uh, you know calling over uh, over Wi-Fi uh, for you know for a long time so you can go overseas in Rome and you know varying other you know scenarios uh, whereby you you know your calls will follow uh, or some other access uh, Where you don't have network access, uh, which is is great, but yeah, that hasn't gone any further. I, I don't think than uh, than two degrees at this stage, uh, but I would imagine we'll see that uh, some, you know. Functionality uh, enabled across all, all networks at some some point in time and uh, hopefully not a million miles away.
1: No, I, th- I think, uh, you know, as we um, become more globally connected and we expect global roaming to be uh, more seamless and, and easy, those sorts of things drive um, the pro- proliferation of, of the eSIM. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd expect that we'll see a lot more of it.
0: Now, uh, NZME, they've finally... Uh you have know, got their got their paywall uh, in place. We've mm-hmm. we've heard this stuff was coming for uh, for a long time. Um, a few interesting aspects uh, to it. One, the first few days that they've launched, it appeared to me as though virtually every single virtually every single piece of content uh, was locked behind the paywall. So basically, if you wanted to use uh, the NZ Herald site last week. Uh, you would need to be paying because I don't think there was really anything that you could get to, or mm. well, there was, but it was a pretty small amount. Uh, my pick is that that was very much to um, to make it very clear to people that you should sign up. Mm. And the um, the inside word I, I heard was that they're uh, they're pretty happy with their uh, uh, with the sign ups that they're uh, they're ahead of what they were certainly what what they were expecting. Uh, of course, they've thrown a lot of you know resources and in, in terms of personnel at uh, at, at uh, um, this premium content sort of offering. Uh, but a few people in the tech world are going to say we're reasonably surprised with how easy it is to to bypass the uh, uh, the um, the paywall. So yeah, you compare that with um, uh, I guess there, you know there are there are varying approaches. But you know usually when you expect to have to log in to get something, you expect it to be re- reasonably hard to uh, to get to. Uh, I remember with the, the um, online magazine and social network that. Uh, that we launched going back uh, ooh, about 17 years ago, uh, WorldDJ.com. We had that behind a, a membership wall, so you know we wanted people that were looking for the content uh, to have to sign up, and, and that helped us grow it to 300,000 members. Uh, but the way that uh, that we did that was a, was a mechanism that allowed Google to see the content. So if Google came looking, Google could see everything on the site. Uh, but if an individual came, you know they couldn't see the site and um yeah the 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 approach that uh, NZme have taken is not that dissimilar to you know a bunch of other publishers around the world, and you know probably and I haven't looked closely at this stuff over the last seventeen years, but uh, uh I know when when we did that you know we were we were doing something that appeared to be you know legit from a Google uh perspective. But, yeah, possibly Google have also changed exactly you know how they how they work with different uh paywall uh protected content but basically it is it is very easy to bypass it uh you know i think within within just a few hours there was a chrome uh, chrome plugin somebody uh uh lo- locally launched, and uh you know other other you know there was a a bunch of information that went around on on Reddit. Uh, pretty quickly, and um, you know other other places where uh, people were talking about what what you know what setting you could uh, you you could change to uh, um, let you get access to that content without paying. So uh, yes, uh, very very interesting to see just just how easy that. Is.
1: Well, yes, and and look, um, I'm sure that uh, the launch of that premium content and the paywall. Um, it didn't come as a surprise to some, but I, I think it probably came as a surprise to, to others. Um, and you know, and I did notice too a very harsh um, entry as to what content was was you know premium and not, um, and it perhaps a softening now. Um, but, um, yes, I've seen some of the tricks, um, to, uh, to navigate around that. And, um, and I guess, what, you know, with a lot of really smart people out there who are familiar with, um, these sorts of technologies, then you're going to naturally get people who, who understand, uh, you know, where perhaps the holes are. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, uh, good on them to for for taking that um, stand. And I think the important thing that I'd like to say is that the content reflects um, people subscribing and paying for that content. And I think that really becomes important.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I've had varying discussions with, with people, not just within NZME, but, you know, across varying media outlets, but including people uh, at NZ NZME around their content, Around uh, the way that they've been, you know, forced to be driven by statistics and, yeah, uh, you know, basically, a, you know, a story that gets read ten times as much as another one. You know, what does that mean for them in terms of ad views and and the, and the like? Um, you know, I, I, you know, I guess you could debate this a lot in terms of. You know, what is the value of a click on, say, a Kim Kardashian story, uh, you know, versus a serious business story? Uh, but when you compare those two, you know, one piece of content might get 100 times more clicks than the other. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it is a very, it's very interesting. And part of, you know, I guess part, part of this, I very much hope, means we get a lot more of the, the real quality uh, journalism. That it's not so driven uh, by those those clicks, but still they're going to want to make sure they have got that enticing content also for their paying um, subscribers. Depending on you know who it is that ends ends up uh, ends up paying, uh, and then the other bit will be. Yeah, really, I'm not sure how it will, how it will land. We discussed it before the show uh, whether stuff are going to jump on on board, and certainly there's been uh, you know there's been commentary to suggest that they they would be going down this track, uh, but this to a degree leaves them behind from the perspective of well, you have know, people sign up for uh, for NZ Herald will they then want to also spend on signing up for, for stuff? And I guess people can you know pick and choose and, and, and try them out, uh, but it might mean that there's a bigger audience now who are looking for free content and uh, maybe we'll see a somewhat different play from uh, from stuff on that front. Personally, I don't mind too much you know, having to contribute towards uh, content. If it's going to be really good, I already pay uh, for access to the NBR uh, to a degree, it comes down to: is the content sort of unique, and you know, does it you know does it stand out? If you look at sort of big global news, well, there's loads of places you can get that information. Uh, but if you if you you know niche down to a market or a particular sector, uh, then it get and it gets harder to cover that with with just free advertising. And so, you know, I think it is a genuine challenge for publishers and and for all media and you know, we've seen a lot of journalists who are no longer uh journalists because there isn't the money to be made as journalists and and so, you know, these are people that are ending up in in all sorts of other fields. A lot of people in the, you know, public relations um, space of of course because they 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 have that understanding how the media works. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's a lot more to play out on this one over, over the next few few years ahead, and lots more debates to be had sure. about what what the right approach is to, uh, to to media.
1: Yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see how the likes of Stuff react, and um, <clears throat> and also how New Zealand Herald um, do too, um, uh, based on um, what sort of uptake they do get. Um, I think that um, you, you did raise a great point as to you know the the strategy of stuff and and whether they they go with with them or they sit back and, and wait. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, journalism um, is naturally going to have the competition for people's um, you know eye time. And and as that content um, increases, the amount of choices increase too. It's it's about having the right content, whether it's in a paid or non paid environment. I think that's always going to be uh, the, uh, an important thing for for any um, you know publication is to is to make sure that the content is relevant for that readership.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Uh, now, I just want to have a quick look at some uh, some new gadgets that have uh, that have come in over the last uh, last few days. Uh, there is the Oppo A5s that's uh, launched here locally at I think it's two hundred ninety nine dollars, uh, and you know we've seen continually uh, coming through handsets at this these sort of lower uh, price points of the yeah you know, three to to five hundred dollar uh, type type range, and uh, the, you know they seem to be getting. Better and better. They certainly don't uh, don't deliver everything that you get for a you know thousand thousand dollar plus handset. But um, yeah, this is just another one that that looks uh, looks very nice. Uh, looks very nice for the for the money. Um, got a nice big uh, four thousand milliamp hour battery, which is uh, yeah, what what you certainly have, you know we've got used to on the uh, the higher end. Uh, some of the higher end phones, but you know also seeing it come down at these lower price points uh, six point two inch um, what they call a a teardrop uh, display, so you 've got a little indentation at the sort of you know, the front uh, middle with with the camera um, but uh, yeah reasonably uh, reasonably uh, slick uh, handset, of course, in terms of the the uh, the processing and the storage and you know the capability of the cameras yeah there 's going to be a, a reasonable uh, you know different difference there uh compared to any high end uh, high enhanced set um, but uh, that sort of price point i i think it's it 's a sort of product that will help um, oppo continue to sort of grow their their local market share uh, i guess following you know to some degree in um you know Huawei's, uh uh, you know footsteps with uh, with carving out a bit of a slice of the, the local market. Um, not to say that Samsung and um, Huawei and and others aren't sort of competing at these lower price points because they, you know, they they're all doing somewhat similar things. It sort of depends on uh, what what timing you look in terms of what you're going to get for your for your money. But um, yeah, it seems you can get some some reasonable tech for just a few hundred dollars at the moment.
1: Absolutely, I think um, I think it's great to see uh, you know options um, being there in the market at um, at different price points and different um, capability points. Um, you know, obviously if. If you're looking for something that's um, packed full of capability, then you've got your options there, and and it's great to see that at a lower tier device level, there's there's new entry and and, and this growing presence of of alternative options. And and I agree, you get um, a, a lot of bang for your buck around that um, sort of device mm. um, and that cost um, at that price point. Um, with you know with a lot of those technological advancements or technologies that are you know have been. Um, set aside for the higher tier stuff, and now entering into that lower to mid tier top device mm-hmm. range, which mm. is which is great.
0: Um, now, the other handset we've got here is Nokia's uh, PureView Nine, which is. It's a little bit. It was a little bit mind blowing to sort of see this announced earlier on the year and to hold this thing Uh, because yeah, Nokia have been involved in some phones over the years that have been very good on the optics uh, front and you know quite uh, quite ground uh, groundbreaking. Um, This one's got five lenses in the back plus a time of flight uh, sensor, Uh, so you know you've got uh, half a dozen sensors sitting on the back of uh, of that phone. Um, I've been trying it out for a few days. Look, you know they've brought to mark. This is really, I guess, the 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 first really high end phone we've seen, you know, seen from the from the brand in, in recent years. Um, you know, they've got fingerprint sensor and facial recognition that we see across other devices. N- you know, not that most facial recognition, other than Apple's, is is really that uh, uh, that secure. Um, you know, water resistant IP sixty seven, Gorilla Glass. Uh, it's got wireless charging. It seems to tick sort of most of the boxes for a high end phone um not the latest uh processor you got six gigs of ram 128 gigs of storage so um yeah very capable but with these these cameras um on the back five cameras um i was very curious just to see how it would how it would hold up and there were already reviews out there sort of saying well you know huawei beats it and and so on um and, yeah, certainly on the on the face of it, it looks as though, uh, yeah, spending an extra $500 and, and getting a top Huawei or, or Samsung is going to give you some better results. Seems like they've got the optics probably down. They've got three monochrome sensors and two um, color RGB, um, well, cameras and uh, they combine all that information together to you know try and get a, a really good result and the results do look good but yeah it's not doing the same sort of you know nighttime shooting and and it doesn't have a zoom like some of the other cameras uh or camera phones so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to you know delving into that a little bit more trying out a few other other things with it um but they they're sort of leaning towards this was their commentary anyway. That they're leaning towards maybe um, you know more professionally oriented um, users who are you know, used to having uh, uh, being able to save their images in RAW and work with products like uh, um, Adobe Lightroom, which they sort of um, they they offer to uh, to download when you when you set the phone up. Um, but I think it's nice that, uh, Nokia have sort of filled out their range with a top end phone and, and a good camera. Uh, it seems like their, their products are, uh, um, you know, tick a few boxes in terms of their Android ones. They get access to, uh, uh, to new, you know, operating system updates as well as security updates on a regular basis, which is, Yeah, pretty popular from a certainly from a business uh, perspective. People like their devices to be secure, Uh, and now they've kind of got that full range from you know I think sub two hundred dollars now launched at a thousand and forty nine in New Zealand, um, which is is interesting because thousand and ninety nine is the Australian price, which if you do the math means we're getting you know probably ten percent or more uh, discount here in New Zealand and. I've noticed that across you know quite a number of uh of smartphones that we're we're getting much better buying here in new zealand uh than in australia i'm not not sure of the uh, the exact reasoning on uh, on that um but um hey no 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 complaints i we're happy about i don't it. think yeah, yeah. <laughs> The
1: economics don't necessarily uh make sense there but um sounds good to me
0: yeah now um it's time to uh, jump in and um, and and hear a, a little bit about you know, the announcement that uh, you you know you've been involved with uh, with the Ryan Network over the last few days and uh, and talk about radio networks as they relate to uh, to New Zealand.
1: Yeah, well, look, you know, um, perhaps radio networks is not an obvious um, you know future technology to talk about, but um, you know what we've seen is the last ten years. Um, developing in, in the private network space and traditionally we've delivered really critical private voice networks and uh, as these networks have been become IP based um, and we can del- deliver um, voice, critical voice but also data across these these private networks have become more and more valuable um, to, to traditional uh, radio users uh, and I guess the other thing uh, that we've seen is this convergence of technology and convergence of technology in the public network space and also the private network space like yep. the telcos and, and that sort of yeah, thing too. Yeah. Um, so we've, we're, we're kind of at this exciting intersection of a lot of those wireless technologies and, and the network we've launched is the convergence of all of those technologies. It's a platform um, that allows that um, delivery of wireless technologies across private, traditionally perhaps private space uh, into maybe... Maybe some more public um, networks like the telcos, um, and 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 still at the core of our uh, network, we have critical voice services um, and 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 push to talk services, which are really really great mechanism for delivering uh, really efficient and delivering messages to groups.
0: So um, who who tends to use those that push to talk? Uh, Messaging's been around for a, yeah for from a long for a long time, Forever, right? Yeah. Um, but who are the who are the you know the typical users around the country who, who use push to talk?
1: Yeah, look, um, we, we've got um, quite a few different groups of users. Um, the likes of aviation use push to talk in a group scenario a lot. Um, then there's um, a whole lot of um, public public um, safety type uh, environments. Um, you know, traditionally security. Um, type environments um, a lot of local council just to to be able to uh, deliver messages to a group Um, so we actually have a very broad range of customers transport and logistics too um, public transportation. So um, each of those users um, use it in slightly different ways, um, but you know the concept is the same. That um, we have messaging communications to get to um, a, a large group effectively, and um, that's been something that's been delivered really, really well across private radio networks. Um, and so, so that that's where we start. As as uh, we still at the heart of it, we have critical uh, voice uh, messaging. Um, but then we start to overlay it, of course, with the, the power of data. And, and, and I like to say that um, our critical voice is um, amplified by the, um, the data that we can deliver across these networks now.
0: Mm. Now, um, looking at it from that network per- perspective, talk, talk, talk us through what the, what the network looks like.
1: Yeah. So um, again, it's it's a converged core of technology, um, and at the heart of it, we have a, a critical radio infrastructure. Uh, Motorola Solutions who do a lot of public safety um, networks globally, um, and and a lot of that technology goes into their um, their platform. Um, it's an open standard platform, which is we've, we've talked about earlier today. It's it's an important part of generating ecosystems. Um, so we, we have a core technology suite. Um, and then we deploy that across a national um, coverage of sites um, all over New Zealand, um, and that allows us to del- deliver that voice and data services to those users across across New Zealand.
0: Hmm. And um, talk us through that sort of move from you know analog radio to IP based, where where we are now. What's that transition, uh, you know, b- been been like for uh, f- for you?
1: It's been an interesting one, and, and look, I think, um, you know, if people can remember, the, there's a transition in a, in a telco um, space from analogue voice to digital voice. Um, so uh, in an environment where voice is, is really critical and messaging is, is imperative, um, that that voice, the migration of analogue voice into a digital environment has been really, really important for us to manage. Um, and, and there are a, a bunch of... Um, benefits around digital voice but as those networks have been um, more IP based again we can start to deliver data services and we can start to converge those networks with other other networks whether they be Wi-Fi or telco based networks and that really allows us to extend all the power we've been able to deliver across a single network into a much more wide and broad ecosystem of communication platforms.
0: Right so previously you know radio, people t- talk. To each other on a radio network they may be you know reasonably hard to then tap into uh, mobile networks and and other ways to talk to people that are further afield or in different locations sure. now that sort of stuff is a whole whole lot easier
1: yeah I guess um, you know traditionally that's been um, by design at, at points but that's been the limitation is that whilst some of the um, communications needs to be contained within a private group um, there are also many um, um, Occasions or, or requirements to be able to communicate with other users and devices and, and, and environments uh, that don't necessarily sit on a private network, and being able to unify those private um, networks into into the more public space and and across different devices that that's allowed allowed us to 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 open up the value of of that push to talk group environment um, to to a much more valuable platform.
0: Yep, yep. Now you've got base stations sort of scattered. How how broadly, at the moment, you've got something in Auckland at the Sky Tower? Yes, we
1: do, yeah. yeah so most regions throughout New Zealand, we're still uh, in the process of deploying uh, the infrastructure across uh, um, some of the regions in New Zealand. We've started at building the core infrastructure and, and making sure that that capability at the core uh, is is as um, highly capable as we can make it and then deploying it across the site. So we've got um, infrastructure now across most of the major regions. Certainly by the end of uh, June uh, we will hit most of those New Zealand regions um, and then we we 've decided to take an approach that um, deliver a certain amount of coverage and then we can work. Um, to deliver customized coverage to, a, to our users. And, 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 in part, that's been one of the benefits of, of a radio environment is that we can deliver, um, that connectivity to hard to reach locations, um, because we can do it in a low cost way that perhaps, um, you know, a telco business model doesn't necessarily allow for. Um, so that's, um, that's certainly one of the ways that we, we're going to, to market and deploying that coverage. Um, in a really flexible way.
0: Hmm. Now, what other now that now that you really got a, an IP based network, what other things will you get involved in? You know, is this something that's going to be attractive for uh, you know IoT Internet of, of Things type uh, type uses as well as uh, voice?
1: 100%. Yeah, certainly, um, you know, as soon as you talk about wireless data and you can do it in a, a really low cost way, um, then IoT becomes a really, um, prominent conversation. And, and certainly a lot of our customers are looking at what else can we do across infrastructure like this? Um, still maintaining reliability, still maintaining security, all of those things and, and even more in IoT environment become really, really important. Uh, So we can leverage that infrastructure that we've deployed in the same way that we've delivered it across a voice uh, environment. We can deliver it across data, and that becomes um, really powerful to deliver messaging two ways from people to machines and machines to people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that that's um, something that we'll explore over the coming months and years with our customers um, to really um, see how much uh, value we can get across their operations by doing that.
0: Now, what are the bands that you're um, that you're operating on? You know, you you got your own um, you know space. I suppose it's licensed.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Our networks run across licensed frequencies. Um, our core infrastructure is across a UHF uh, frequency, which is um, good in most environments. Uh, but again, we, we're approaching this with flexibility in mind. And so, you know, different environments require different type of frequencies. So we, we're deploying uh, environments that are specific to city, high-dense environments, and, and equally in the same way um, in more rural environments. I think um, an interesting one around IoT is that there's a lot of open um, bands that are not regulated, mm. and, um, and I think as more devices become connected in that environment, there will be a natural uh, conversation around how do we protect that spectrum um, in order to make sure we maintain reliability across that um, wireless um, space. So um, so our network is um, you know, uh, licensed, and, and we can make sure that we, we give that control across that.
0: Yeah, good stuff. And um, what are the sorts of devices that, uh, that people will be, uh, will be using?
1: Well, uh, you know, we've talked about some of these new smart devices. And um, again, uh, traditionally, I guess those radio networks have been um, pretty regimented in the device that connect. Um, and certainly they play a continued role in, in certain environments for certain users. But because we can unify those sorts of environments now into uh, you know, some of the other uh, telco, Wi-Fi-type environments, um, we can connect any, any type of device, um, and, and really it's a single device for a specific task. So um, because we have that unified platform that allows um, any device um, to connect um, across that platform. Uh, which really brings a lot of benefit to to users because they can use a device that is really suitable for their task at hand, um, but it doesn't stop them being able to communicate whether it's a machine to a person, person to machine, or person to person with another endpoint, perhaps in a different environment, and it allows that unified communication space to to be delivered in a mobile world.
0: Right, right. And, um, you know, are there any sort of particular... Um, you know, interesting use cases out there that uh, you know you think will be a really, really good use for um, you know, for operating on radio compared to other mechanisms. That sort of you know stand out for you.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think that again, in our um, by our architecture, we provide high reliability, high availability, and so when we look at um, communications that are required, irrespective of who else. Uh, is around and who else needs to talk? You know whether it's event based. There's a lot of events coming up in, in New Zealand, big large events, and and those uh, events are going to um, congest traffic. And so I think that um, our our network by design allows that um, reliability, irrespective of those sort of external requirements on m- more public networks. Um, so, so certainly our, our users are going to get a lot of benefit to that um, and, and also um, being able to leverage voice infrastructure across into private data networks and so unifying you know the concept of iot across into voice Mm. Um, if we can bridge that um, we can um, take messages from machines or or, or whatever that might be those sensor endpoints Mm. and deliver it to people and we can do that in a really mobile world and that's going to drive a lot of efficiency i think in a lot of different spaces
0: cool oh that's great well um Thank you, Logan. Well, thank you for having me. It's been, been uh, it's been good good to uh, to fill in some some gaps there. Yes, uh, so I wasn't able to make the uh, the the announcement uh, last week. So uh, thank you, yeah, thanks for coming into the studio and uh, for me, and joining us. So um, if people you know want to learn a little bit more, what what do they uh, what do they do? They get in touch with you or yeah, what's, what's the the best way? Email, web, LinkedIn.
1: Yep, yep. So we've got a website. Um, orionnet.nz and um, that gives you uh, all the information that you'll need and and you can go through that Um, the other mechanism is sales at orionnet.nz that's an email that you can come through Um, we'd be more than happy to come out and chat about how this platform can deliver value across your operations
0: Nice. Oh, that's excellent. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, for listening in to the New Zealand Tech Podcast this week. Uh, we'll be back again with another show next week. Uh, you can track me down across uh, social media uh, at Paul Spain on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can welcome to connect on, uh, on LinkedIn as well. And if you haven't filled out our survey that we're doing for, uh, for the refresh or relaunch of the podcast mid-year, uh, that would be great if you could go to nztechpodcast.com uh, slash survey and uh, fill that in with your feedback. All right, thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. See you. The New Zealand Tech Podcast.